Hello, this is Digital Accessibility, the people behind the progress. I'm Joe Walensky, the creator and host of this series. And as an accessibility professional myself, I find it very interesting as to how others have found their way into this profession. So let's meet one of those people right now and hear about their journey. All right, well, here we go with another one of our interviews with accessibility professionals. And today I am pleased to be talking to Lori Samuels. Hello, Lori. Hi, Joe, how are you? Yeah, everything's going well. I'm in my Vashon Island uh, home office, which is near the Blink Seattle headquarters. Uh, where are you talking to us from today? Yeah, so I'm from, uh, I'm in Northern Utah, a little town called Logan, Utah, um, home of Utah State University and just a pretty spot up in Utah. Well, I'm uh, glad we were able to have you here uh, to talk about your experiences with accessibility. And why don't we just start with you uh, talking a little bit about what you're doing right now? Yeah, sure. So currently I am the accessibility director at an NBC Universal that's under Comcast as well. Um, I work closely with the Comcast accessibility team and uh, NBC Universal is actually comprised of a lot of different businesses. So it's a really interesting role. I get to work with uh, with sports, with streaming apps like Peacock and um, also entertainment and film, television, and news as well. So, and also our parks division. So lots of fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure that there's uh, quite a lot of accessibility activities uh, going on there. So what, like, what's a typical uh, like day in the life for you with that work or maybe a week in the life? Yeah. Are, there, are there any things that you're uh, always having to deal with? Well, a lot of it is initially, you know, kind of raising awareness around accessibility, what it is in the digital space um, with all websites and mobile apps. Again, um, I don't come from a broadcaster media industry background, so I've been also my own education and learning about accessibility considerations for media um, and broadcast television, et cetera. But um, typically I would just work with digital product leaders um, around training, um, you know, engaging on, on looking at the current accessibility and how we can improve that, make improvements, roadmap it, prioritize it. Um, also do a lot of work over on kind of the DEI side and culture and HR, um, work with our um, disability inclusion focused employee resource group called My Abilities. So lots of different sort of irons in the fire, but um, a lot of fun. Well, uh, we'll come back and dig in some of the, the things you're working on uh, today, but uh, one of the purposes of this uh, activity is to find out how people got to where they are today in accessibility. So maybe we could go back in time now and you could sort of pick out some of those uh, early experiences or milestones that started to lead you to uh, accessibility. Right. Well, uh, I will have to go way back to a very long time ago to my childhood and just tell you that my, I guess my connection with disability starts in my childhood with my older sister who has cerebral palsy. Um, we grew up, we also have two brothers and we grew up in Boston in the 1960s and 70s. And at the time, of course, the Americans with Disabilities Act had not been passed into law yet. 
So my sister did not attend Boston public schools like my brothers and I did. Um, she went to a separate school. Um, and, and so I think I was aware from a very young age of the segregation and discrimination and othering that my sister experienced and her friends as well. Um, it also, on, the, on a positive note, um, I played and hung around with kids with disabilities because they were just my sister's friends. So um, I got an early um, opportunity to kind of, um, you know, interact with and play with, with those kids, which was great. Um, so then we'll fast forward a little bit to um, my, my college years. I, I decided to major in computer science um, at Boston University. Ended up getting my bachelor's and master's degrees together in computer science and went out and started um, uh, building work for a little company that was building consumer software. So we were we were built, we were writing code, you know, releasing products back in the days of DOS and Apple II <laughs> computers. So this was, again, very long time ago. Um, but, uh, you know, so I started my life and my career as a software engineer. Um, I then moved to California a few years later, about five years later, um, moved to Northern California in the Bay Area and ended up working for a company called Broderbund Software, which um, probably is best remembered as being a, a large consumer and educational software company um, that, that specialized in multimedia CD-ROM software. So this is all still pre-internet. Um, and I became, I, I joined and I became the engineering director there. And I was working specifically on home productivity products like the print shop, uh, which is sort of our big flagship product at the time. And um, it was there that I started getting more interested in what was the early days of technical accessibility, meaning um, this was now, so now we're about 1993-ish. And um, the ADA had been passed into law, so the Americans with Disabilities Act was now a law. And what that meant is that kids with disabilities, unlike my sister's experience, were now starting to go to mainstream public schools. And I started doing some volunteer work with a computer lab that was testing out different types of assistive technology or adaptive devices that were attaching to regular computers, like adaptive keyboards and trackballs that kids could more easily manipulate instead of um, with less fine motor control than a mouse. And so this was the early days of assistive technology. And I was working for, again, kind of a, a popular software company. So I started thinking about how could we make sure that our products, which kids love to play with in their schools, could work with these different devices and peripherals. Um, and I came up with this great idea that if we just followed standards, <laughs> that, that that would somehow make it make it easier to be compatible with these new devices. So. Um, and, and I'm joking, of course, you know, there really weren't any standards of, at the day because this was all fairly new technology. Um, so I started going to conferences um, like CSUN and Closing the Gap back in the 1990s. And um, it was kind of funny because Broderbund and Microsoft were really the only two 
mainstream software companies that were showing up at these conferences back in at that time. Everything else was just was um, assistive technology and adaptive, you know, uh, Kurzweil and early screen readers and, and teletools and various other things like that. Um, which again, we're looking at how can we make these personal computers um, usable for people with different types of disabilities. And so that was my the, the genesis of my entry into accessibility. Well, I, I mean, that's really fascinating. I, I mean, I, yeah, I started working uh, when the the World Wide Web Consortium came out with the Web Accessibility Initiative. But you know, this things you're talking about predate that, and. Uh, um, yeah, it's really fascinating to think about uh, working with assistive devices uh, at that point in time. So, so I, I mean, you were really, uh, you know, out there at the forefront of things. Uh, so then, uh, you kind of, what happened in in that next stage? Uh, you know, eventually we did start to get to a place with with standards. Uh, were you still working with accessibility all through that time? Not not consistently, but, you know, sort of, you know, again, at that time, there wasn't any such thing as a career in accessibility. Really, we were just going, we're sort of going in and out of it or trying to raise awareness. But um, so, you know, for example, I was working at a couple of dot coms during the, the dot com boom out in the Bay Area, um, just kind of leading engineering teams and, and doing technical program management. So not particularly accessibility focused. But then I got an opportunity after taking a little time off to raise kids um, and be home. I came back to work in about 2010, 11 and joined into it. And I was interviewing for a technical program manager kind of role. But when I was interviewing with the CTO there, the chief technology officer, there was a little yellow sticky note on his desk and it was, it just had the word accessibility on it. And I thought, this is a sign from the universe. <laughs> and so I just asked him, I said, so are you doing anything with accessibility? And he said, no, you know, legal has been asking us to, uh, you know, to kind of pay more attention to this. And I said, well, I'd be happy to help you start up a program. And he said, okay, well, we should probably have you do that. So I got the chance to start into its global accessibility program kind of from scratch uh, back then. And that further kind of just cemented my my interest and passion and love of all things accessibility. So I got to do that at Intuit. We had some you know wonderful progress and projects I got to work on there. Um, we we worked on um, uh, QuickBooks specifically to really try to make QuickBooks more compatible with screen readers, so that uh, folks who wanted to kind of independently manage their small business finances could do that. So it was a very exciting and very community-based project with some great executive sponsorship. So, um, you know, it was a wonderful experience doing that and also trying to get the program off the ground and handed it over to the, the fabulous Ted Drake, who is now, um, has just taken it to, to new heights. And um, just, I so admire what Intuit is doing in that space. So really proud to have started that and, and left it in such good hands. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to, uh, uh, I have an appointment scheduled with uh, Ted Drake uh, for next month, so I'm looking forward to that. And uh, I, I had known about that relationship, so that's uh, that's great. I, I love the anecdote about the, the sticky note with accessibility because, you know, those little things some, sometimes are the pivots that, that change so much. And, exactly. and uh and then you you mentioned uh, the person that you were uh, interviewing with at the time. It had brought up the the compliance issue, and of course that's that's where a lot of organizations, maybe the C suite first uh, 
starts to seriously think about it. But then, you know, we we know that there's so much uh, uh, possible return on investment for for people that maybe have been shut out of using digital products and services. And, and so uh, uh, yeah, I'm, sure, I'm sure Intuit, uh, you know, was able to reap the benefits from that as well. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I can't emphasize enough how important it was at, for, for us at, at the time at Intuit to connect with the customers who needed us to work on accessibility um, in, in QuickBooks in this case, and who were so, it was so essential to them. And, and they had been, you know, frankly, kind of asking for a while, and it hadn't until someone came and, and started pulling it all together and making the right things happen. We had a wonderful team in, in engineering team in India that was really passionate about trying to improve this. Um, but what it really struck home to me was we need to bring the voices of disabled customers to the table and make sure that they're heard by leadership because that was what turned things around. Once leadership understood that they were, you know, there was a, a, a segment of their, of their, of their con consumer base that they weren't serving well, it really changed things. I mean, again, to, to their credit, to the leader's credit, to take that seriously and, and actually invest in fixing it. So that was a great experience. Um, and after Intuit, um, I went, I, I got the opportunity to join Microsoft as a consultant um, and worked in different product organizations there entirely in accessibility. So um, again, I've sort of seen this transition where accessibility has become a field that you can work in, which is great. It didn't used to be, um, but now it is. And I'm, I'm, I'm just really feel so, you know, privileged that I, I get the opportunity to do that and grateful for that. Well, I, that brings us kind of up to date to where you're uh, at now. And, and uh, I mean, you know, the organization that you work for, I mean, there they're just must be just enormous amounts of opportunities and a lot of work to do to be accessible in that space. Or are there any uh, particular passion projects that you have on going on right now or, or any things that are, you know, taking up the majority of your time? Well, not necessarily taking up all my time, but but something that has been something that's just been a truly delightful to be involved in is um, we and it started before I got here, but but it was underway. But it, it was very happy to support this the work that we're doing that NBC Comcast NBC Universal is doing to provide live audio description for certain premier um, live special events and the, the um, Olympics and Paralympic games. So um, we work with a, a company called Descriptive Video Works who are fabulous. And they actually have people describing the visual context for folks who are blind and visually impaired um, to be able to understand what's happening in the sports or in, for example, the Macy's Day Parade or the 4th of July fireworks or the inauguration, presidential inauguration. So we've, we've um, kind of crafted the approach to that and, and all of the technology that goes into making that happen. Um, and it's been really well received by the blind community and advocacy organizations. So proud, very proud of the company for the work that they're doing in that space. Um, you know, there's always room to improve in accessibility, always, always. But, but I think that's an example of where we've intentionally been inclusive and found a way to make something better and more, uh, more accessible. And so, I, and it, you know, again, it's just been a really fun thing to understand, to get involved in. 
And uh, are there any things that uh, you're looking forward to or thinking are important moving to the future? Because I know I, I haven't been attentive to, to this space as long as you have, but you know, I think back uh, 20 some years ago and uh, in some ways it's amazing what, what has developed and what's available in accessibility. And then in other ways, I'm like, you know, I really thought we'd be farther along than, than we are today. Uh, you know, just based on my own perspectives. Uh, do you have any thoughts about that? Oh, that's I have thoughts on that. <laughs> um, just as a general thing, you know, I, I think that, um, gosh, not specific necessarily to, to my current role, um, but I'll get to that in a second. Um, I think that in accessibility, and one of the things I'm excited about uh, what Joe Devon and Jenison are doing in with the Global Accessibility Awareness Day Foundation is to is to begin focusing on some of the foundational, no pun intended, building blocks of the web. Um, you know, it's such the, it's still such a wild wild west from a technology standpoint in in you know it, on the internet where there's so many different tools. There's frameworks. There's libraries. There's JavaScript. There's all this stuff. There's not a consistent way of building websites and so as a result we see a lot of websites that are inaccessible the vast majority of websites unfortunately have accessibility problems i think we have to shift left and not just in terms of educating our product organizations about how to do things right with accessibility but we also have to shift the tooling left we have to make sure that anybody who's using um, tools to build a website have accessibility checkers baked in have you know get get catch those problems early let the people know that who are building the site or designing the site that hey we're going to flag a problem for you here and you can here's how you could take care of it i think we could have much more intelligent tooling in the build process in the design process in, in with those tools and that's something that you know looking at, at again what 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 the gad foundation is doing is looking at you know huge frameworks like react how can we make these building blocks more accessible it doesn't solve for everything but we could solve a lot of things upstream from where we're solving them today this this idea of building a whole production website and then finding out after the fact that it's inaccessible that's not it's obviously not a sustainable model because we haven't succeeded at doing that so so that's my little thoughts on that <laughs> um uh, so i i think the opportunity within media and and television and um film and news and sports is also one that it goes beyond accessibility. It gets into things like authentic disability representation. How can we make sure that disability is represented authentically and uh, uh, with real casting and in front of and behind the camera? So that is an exciting space. It's not my wheelhouse per se. It's not a technical issue, but just being inside and being a disability inclusion advocate from inside the company is a really fantastic place to to be and see that there's already really great work happening in this space at, at NBC Universal and elsewhere. So that's a, a fun part of, about being in this space. Well, your uh, your passion uh, for the subject definitely uh, stands out, and uh, it's uh, great to have uh, an advocate like you involved in continuing to push things forward for accessibility. Uh, well, I, and I appreciate you taking the time today to to chat with me. Uh, maybe we'll meet up together at a conference when we actually do that stuff in person again. <laughs> Absolutely. No, that'd be great. And my pleasure. I'm always happy to talk about this and just encourage people to learn more. It's a practice. 
Um, it's something that you can just get better at over time. So don't be afraid to start. And I hope uh, I hope more people get into into accessibility and, and build a more inclusive world. So. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Lori. Thank you. Hi, I'm Joe Walensky, and as host of the Digital Accessibility Program, I like to keep the focus on our amazing guests. But I'm always excited about my role as Accessibility Director at Blink, the producer of this program, and I'd like to share that with you. Blink is the world's leader in evidence-driven design, and we work with a wide variety of clients. Founded in Seattle, we also have offices in Boston, New York, Austin, San Diego, and San Francisco. Our stated mission is to make technology human. Embracing inclusive design and accessibility brings all of us closer to that mission. We bring accessibility in every one of our projects. Our philosophy is that each of our practitioners should understand how accessibility applies to their own work. Accessibility is not a separate department or activity for us. Our researchers, designers, and developers all employ accessibility principles at every stage. If you have a need for research and design services, Blink is a partner with a full-time commitment to making your product or service accessible and a great experience for all of your customers. Some of the specific areas where we can help, using research to better understand the needs of your customers with disabilities, innovating to make sure your accessibility is the best in class design, we can move existing designs to development in a sprint. And maybe most importantly, we provide a turnkey transformation to an accessible site or app. Of course, compliance status is something that we always include as part of the service. If any of this is of interest, please get in touch with me directly at joe at blinkux.com. That's J-O-E at B-L-I-N-K-U-X.com. Thank you. And please take a moment to rate our program in whatever app you use.